reading of the 24-hour book, and then Proverbs for the day, please. When we first come into AA, a sober life seems strange. We wonder what life could possibly be like without ever taking a drink. At first, a sober life seems unnatural, but the longer we're in AA, the more natural this way of life seems. And now we know that the life we're living in AA, the sobriety, the fellowship, the faith in God, and the trying to help each other is the most natural way we could possibly live. Do I believe it's the way God wants me to live? Meditation for the day. I will learn to overcome myself because every blow to selfishness is used to shape the real, eternal, unperishable me. As I overcome myself, I gain that power which God releases in my soul, and I too will be victorious. It is not the difficulties of life that I have to conquer so much as my own selfishness. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may obey God and walk with Him and listen to Him. I pray that I may strive to overcome my own selfishness. Well, that's a tough one, Fernando Alcoholic. Because, you know, we carry ourselves all over the place and we automatically have to uh, take care of ourselves. And thus we become selfish if we don't look out. So always having others in mind and working with others and excited about helping others keeps our maintenance up at home. Amen. All right, Proverbs 14 says, The wise woman, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord. But he who is perverse in his ways despises him. In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Where no oxen are, the thorough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox. A false witness does not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. Excuse me, a faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom and does not find it, but knowledge is easy to him who understands. Go from the presence of a foolish man when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of a fool is deceit. Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. The house of the wicked will be overthrown, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends is the way of death. Even in laughter the heart may sorrow, and the and it emerge may be grief. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own way, but a good man will be satisfied from above. The simple believe every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. 
A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The evil will bow before the good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor man is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends. He who despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Do they not go astray who devise evil, but mercy and truth belong to those who devise good. In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. The crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. A true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness speaks lies. A true witness delivers souls. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one from the snares of death. In a multitude of people is a king's honor, but in the lack of people is the downfall of a prince. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. The wicked is banished in his wickedness, but the righteous has a refuge in his death. Wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding, but what is in the heart of fools is made known. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The king's favor is toward the wise servant, but his wrath is against him who causes shame. Amen. Thank you so much for coming in today's podcast. God bless you. Give them heaven. Let's pray out. Let's pray with the uh, third step prayer, please. God, I offer myself to you to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, of thy love, of thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. What's up, family? Fernando, alcoholic. Good day. God bless you. Let's start our meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change those things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. The fellowship... is comprised of men and women who decided to change their attitude towards life. 
We want to live without alcohol. And we want to help those that are willing to receive or who are ready. Who are saying, uncle, uncle, a change has to be. You don't have to drink, live this way. You don't have to drink excessively anymore. The glory has departed on what alcohol was intended to be. You have exceeded our benefits. Now, the only thing we have left is God's mercy. So let's let's get wholesome. <laughs> let's get some of that mercy and get it high with the mercy. Let's get high with the fellowship. Let's get high on love and grace and uh, doing things for others that we that they couldn't do for themselves. For God is doing things for us that we can't do for ourselves. We're just pushing it forward, people. Look here, page one sixteen of the twelve and twelve. It says when we develop still more. We discover the best possible source of emotional stability to be God Himself. We found that dependence upon His perfect justice, forgiveness, and love was healthy, and that it would work where nothing else would. If we really depended upon God, we couldn't very well play God to our fellows, nor would we feel the urge wholly to rely on human protection and care. These were the new attitudes that finally brought many of us inner strength and peace that could not be deeply shaken by the shortcomings of others or by the any calamity not of our own making even of, of our own making what it's saying here folks the easiest way to get hold of god's uh, spiritual medicine and physical medicine too because doctor tells us when we're in prayer it's like exercising dopamine uh endorphins all these good quality, feel-good chemicals start to, to filter our system when we're in prayer or when we're thanking God for a situation. Thanking God for a situation or saying, I thank you, God, I'm a misfit, is it's, it's calling out for His mercy. Can anything good come out of my life? Yeah, if you put it in God's hands, He'll chop you up. He may have to chop you up all over again. Is you're growing, we're growing wrong. He did me. You know, it didn't. It got rosy for a while, but then the sculpturing started to happen. Once the sculpturing through words, they hurt. So this is the easiest way to get recovery for me, is to get into the books, and agony and obedience and ah, she, man, these books. Why do we have to read so much? Well, it's either that or go back into the world and get knocked around without you alcohol. You want to get in the ring with alcohol again? Some of you still think you can. Go ahead. We'll buy you the first drink. Go. You may not be an alcoholic. You may still be a little kid not understanding how to grow up, not understanding how to take a punch. When God gives you a punch, he's just doing it for your own good. You just thank Him for the punches in life, and you'll see that you can take a punch if you thank Him for the punch. My own philosophy, I'm way out there in the bushes. Huh? Nobody is following me. I woke up this morning, and I put on a T-shirt that says, uh, Fernando's Commandos. And I would give those, I had about 30 of those T-shirts, and I gave them away to some of the sponsees, and 
I kind of gave them away too fast, too quickly. I wish I didn't. But maybe I got one left or two. But every once in a while, I'll see someone running around with my one of my shirts. It's bright orange, kind of reddish. Fernando's Commandos. I happened to get a free trip to uh, Washington, D.C. Some of you heard this story before. Uh, it was a seminar. It was at the... Uh, at one of the hotels in Washington, D.C., where the inauguration of the, one of the presidents has just happened. We went for a seminar. Um, somebody bought me my, uh, my plane ticket and the registration. They said, you got to go to that seminar. We were in Burbank in another smaller seminar. They were, I said, well, okay, if you think so, and this... USC, a member of USC medical team, they bought me a ticket, sponsored me to go to uh, this seminar in Washington, D.C. Never, I got there, I didn't know there was a town named Dallas or Dallas Airport, whatever. Anyway, it was a whole new world, and they had their own aviation museum, which I didn't get to go. I had to go back and see that. I ran out of time. I wanted to go to their aviation museum at the airport. But they all, but the, we had enough museums, Miss Smithsonian's. We spent a whole day walking through the whole place to the Washington Monument, through the uh, Jefferson Monument. I read all that Jefferson Monument in there. Just wonderful, wonderful stuff. Uh, I went through the uh, Holocaust uh, place where all the uh, the six million Jews were slaughtered. The, all their hair and their shoes are in there. You can see, and maybe teeth. I don't remember seeing teeth, but they were uh, man. They were eaten up like cattle. You know how we do cattle. We use even the hoofs. We grind up the hoofs, and I think that's where. Uh, gelatin comes from the, the hoofs. I'm not sure, but anyway, we went all over the 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 town, and all through that. And I hear that they hide the real truth, the Smithsonian, like the giants that are named in the Bible. That when people discover giants, they uh, they can't handle the truth. They have to hide it from the people. That we have origins to the Bible. The Bible says there's. There were giants in the land. The point I'm making about the t-shirt, getting back to the t-shirt, I wanted to bring back a t-shirt for my son. Uh, one of my, for my sons, well, I have two sons, but one of them was like 3X, and I, I had 30 bucks, and uh, $30, $32. I had no money. I had to buy, pay my own food and my own room and board there which I remember I had uh, had to take my bottles and cans in. But two things happened. I read a book called The Miracle of Water, and they said that Washington, D.C. had the best water. One night, we ran out of uh, bottled water, and I had to use tap water for the coffee. So I tasted it. Eh, not bad. I don't know if something happened, but that night, when I, I dreamed that Jesus was 12 years old, long hair and he was so excited that he had something like a parrot on his shoulder and he was parading the parrot so happy so joyful around to the neighborhood in the Smithsonian 
uh, up through the grass. You know, there was there was museums on each side of the grass. Have you guys been in Washington D.C.? And and he was running here and there with his long hair, laughing and just pointing at his parrot. And he was so full of love and joy that he had a parrot on his shoulder. No wonder. And you know, when I looked closely who that parrot was, I was sitting on his shoulder. It was me. I was sitting on his shoulder. It seemed like he was so happy that I took that trip and I was in Washington, D.C. I know uh, when I became a U.S. citizen, Ronald Reagan sent me a letter saying, there's a spiritual uh, progress in the air that when Europeans come over here, they feel it and they sense it. A progress of, of unity, of inventions, of moving forward. And I felt that when I was in Washington, D.C. And uh, I did get on the subway, and I went and I found a meeting, and I went to a meeting. Meeting was hard to find. You get into these subways that are a half a mile deep into the earth, and it's just amazing experience, you know, the airflow and the people, and trying to find a meeting in a foreign country. That was me. I finally found a meeting, found it. I know what's going to be there. Uh, you know, I'm saying to myself, the streets are empty. You know, this poor section of town. And I go up to the second floor. I can't even find a seat. All the people are in the meeting. It's just bursting with laughter and joy. And that substance that makes us feel we're right at home. After the meeting, I got invited for a, for a coffee with those guys. And we talked and laughed, and uh, I had a great time, and I had my fixed. The point I'm making, I still needed a t-shirt for my son, and I still had 30 bucks. So I prayed. I said, God, help me. I need to get back to seminar. Seminar starting. I was walking around the town looking for shirts. And I finally, uh, I went back to the seminar, and the table caught my eye as I was walking into the the open doors of the auditorium. And I I went back, and it was a table. They were selling t-shirts. And as I looked closer, there was a t-shirt with my name on it. It said Fernando Commandos. And they started calling me Commando, Fernando Commando in Sacramento after starting a few meetings and pushing and pushing and, and pulling teeth in the old timers that have never been in service. An old timer that's 19, 20 years sober, never been in service. Another one that's 15 years sober, never been a secretary. Well, we started morning meetings and they started calling me Commando, Fernando Commando. We started four meetings, and actually three meetings are alive today, about maybe 20, over 20 years later. The point I'm making is that name jumped up at me back in Washington, D.C. on the table, and I looked at the, at the name, and I said, Hey, how much is this shirt? She goes, It's $30 plus tax. I said, Oh, man, I don't know if I have enough for tax, I told her. Um... And uh, and she says, she looked at me for a second. She goes, you know, we have a whole box of those ones right here. We had a big movement a few years ago about a guy uh, that was into wheelchairs. His name was Fernando, providing chairs. It's died down. Um, all we do is carry this box, this box around with us from seminar to seminar for the last two years, hardly selling any. I, she, then she tells me, tell me, how much you got? I said, I got about 31-something and change. She goes... Give me that. You can have the whole box. You know, you know how many T-shirts were in the box? Extra large, large, small, triple X. Thirty. 
31, 32 t-shirts. You should have seen me on the in the airplane. I was dropping t-shirts all over the place and dragging this and dragging that, trying to bring my, my box full home full of and stuffing it on the aisles of the t-shirts and all the stuff I had. Prayer, folks, prayer works. And we get prayer through osmosis as being in the AA rooms of Alcoholic Anonymous. There's prayer. We get it through osmosis. Our life gets better and better. How do you like the music background? It's meditation. Wake up fresh and happy. Therapy music. I need it, folks. All right, let's get back to our meeting. It's a special day today. Today is Thursday. Fully awake, fully alive. Daily reflections for the day says it doesn't happen overnight. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 85. Okay, let me uh, try something new so we can we're starting a new thought. So when I start a new thought, I want to have this hit this bell so you can hear that this is a we're moving over to a new thought. It's a cowbell my nephew brought me. Giant cowbell. I guess it was for music or something. Okay, daily reflections. It doesn't happen overnight. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 85. The most common alcoholic fantasy seems to be, if I just don't drink, everything will be all right. Once the fog cleared for me, I saw for the first time the mess my life had become. I had family, work, financial, and legal problems. I was hung up on old religious ideas. There were sides of my character to which I I was inclined to stay blind because they easily could have convinced me that I was hopeless and pushed me toward escape again. The big book guided me in solving all of my problems, but it didn't happen overnight and certainly not automatically. With no effort on my part, I need always to recognize God's mercy and blessings that shine through any problem I have to face. Amen. This is so good, today's topic, Fernando Alcoholic. All right, moving right along. uh, I'm going to do a second one on this one. Okay, and then... I'm going to talk about a little bit about the word reprieve because when I came in here, I didn't know the word reprieve. And it means uh, a daily uh, exercise, what we're doing right now. We're lifting up these words and we're um, meditating and contemplating and thinking about these words I'm talking about that I'm mentioning to you. Um, Daily reprieve is uh, kick back, hold it, stop, Listen, you know, uh, rest, ground yourself, be aware, awareness, acceptance, and action, a reprieve, awareness, acceptance, and actions. A daily reprieve is really thanking God for your life just the way it is and getting grounded. It'd be best if you put your feet on the grass for a half hour a day, morning and night, and thank God for a daily reprieve and be ready with a pen and pencil, pen and paper, God will talk to you. He will give you wisdom to take care of the situations. You know, one thing about wisdom versus money, you may think you need money, 
I thought I needed money, and I did get money, but I ended up in the same thing. I kept falling off the horse. I thought I had it. I said, what, what went wrong? So it's just like our founder, Bill W., he kept going over back to the laboratory, back to the laboratory. Some people call it Russian roulette, putting a, you know, he kept going back to the library. And finally, he found a system where he can stay sober, and he passed it on to us. You know that system, helping another alcoholic? But getting back to wisdom and money, we need wisdom, cats. We need wisdom. Wisdom has money in it. Wisdom has laughter in it. Wisdom has strength in it. Wisdom is God. God is wisdom. And we get wisdom in through osmosis sitting in the, the 12-step rooms. Any 12-step room, you get wisdom. Elnon, N-A, A-A, S-A, E-A, U-A, U-U-E-E, all these names. As long as they acknowledge God in the beginning, um, we're through osmosis. We get the wisdom of God, which is common sense, you know. We start saying, hey, that that's not so. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not spending all my check on this. What I think, I'm going to get a big win, a windfall. I get a big bed or a big fart. That's the windfall I get if I try to run my life on my own. The most common alcoholic fantasy seems to be, if you don't drink, everything will be all right. Well, yeah, you know, you're going to start saving money, but we got to move forward and move on. And then you, once the fog is cleared... You start seeing God turning your my messy life and start taking care of situations for me. People, associations, institutions, everyone around me starts to be kind to me when I surrender to God. When I said, Uncle, when I was ready, when the sooner was ready, the people became form, formidable, hospitable, uh, respectful, you know, you know that disrespect we get when we're at work all over the place that from people when we're just drunks. You know that disrespect, our family members. Now it's on the other side. Now they see a higher power working in us and they give us those things automatically. Comfort you, oh comfort you, oh my soul. Words is what makes, makes a man, guys. But it's what character is all about, women. Uh, the character is listening to an idea and then sticking to the idea no matter what. That's a man, that's a woman. I, I want to change no matter what. This was a safe haven no matter what. I was going to dig my teeth on this table and stay here and, and open that book no matter what. The big book guided me in recovering and resolving all my problems. Why? Because there was worse it was a gym of words. I needed to go in there and pick up words, like reprieve. Reprieve was the heaviest, one of the heaviest ones, 500-pound weights, reprieve, to pick up. It didn't happen overnight. I started with attempts. I started imagining myself sober, imagining myself picking up the word reprieve, imagining myself that I can maintain a spiritual condition and go forward, imagining myself that I could be good. 
I could be a good person. I could change the light bulbs. I could buy socks for my kids. I could uh, help. I could be on the side of God and be good. I got a lot of slack for it. People call me self-righteous and they'll cuss you out if you if you uh, decide to be in the good club. You know, they'll call, they'll say, oh, you want people to love you? Well, yeah, <laughs> I love them. What's the problem here? You jealous? You jealous? All right, folks. I'll get off my bandwagon. Thank you so much for coming in. Let's go ahead and pray out with the uh, seven-step prayer. If you don't know it, I'll say it for you. My creator, I am now willing that he should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Keep coming back. It's working, family. Welcome, family. Today's reading, we're going to be reading uh, Solomon's uh, Proverbs, about 3,500-year-old precepts and Proverbs and uh, good wisdom for for business. I like it. But before that, I'm going to read the 24-hour book. Let's go ahead and open up with the third step prayer, please. God, I offer myself to you to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of thy love, of thy power, of thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. All right, January 13th, a thought for the day. When we were drinking, we were living an unnatural life, physically and mentally. We were punishing our bodies by loading them with alcohol. We didn't eat enough, and we ate the wrong things. We didn't get enough sleep or the right kind of rest. We were ruining ourselves physically. We had an alcoholic obsession, and we couldn't imagine life without alcohol. We kept imagining all kinds of crazy things about ourselves and about other people. We were ruining our lives mentally. Since I came into AA, am I getting better physically and mentally? Meditation for the day. I believe that my life is being refined like gold in a crucible. Gold does not stay in the crucible only until it is refined. I will never despair or be despondent. I now have friends who long for me to conquer. If I should err or fail... It will cause pain and disappointment to them. I will keep trying to live a better life. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may always call on God's strength while the gold of my life is being refined. I pray that I may see it through with God's help. Amen. 
Yeah, that's what I always said. I had a dream that uh, a lot of us were in uh, crucibles, you know, that were being refined seven times. And I like the passage where it says that uh, we're not supposed to be in the uh, incubator all the time, being uh, refined all the time. We're made out of gold. We got to get out there and help others, you know, and take, you know, one thing about gold, gold doesn't get rusted. It doesn't, uh, they, the salt in the sea can't affect it. It's very, very heavy. Um, it shines brilliantly, beautiful. And it took a lot of heat, like 2,000 degrees in the earth and the chemicals in the water and everything had to be right for the fusion to take place in the earth. And gold was, so we're, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people in, in the 12-step program movement that are basically made out of gold. I'm just amazed at this, uh, the wisdom of this lady in, uh, that she does the shop, the, um, the 12-step workshop. I have her recordings here at her wisdom, what she'd been through. And, and what she says, she says, if you need money, there's plenty of money out there that her sponsor told her. You know, if you need money, <clears throat> there's plenty of money out there. If you need love, there's plenty of love out there. If you need friends and you need adventure, <clears throat> there's plenty of adventure and friends out there. You need physical fitness and, and wisdom, there's plenty of it out there. It's got to get out there and get dressed, get ready, put the shoes on and go look for wisdom. Go look for adventure. Um, but, and go look for good, to be good. Ask to be good. I ask you, God, help me to be good. And then once the goodness hits you, uh, you qualify. You qualify to an enormous amount of benefits. All right, now. I got, I got off, I'll get off my box, my soapbox. Fernando, alcoholic, let's go ahead and move on to our next book. We have a next, uh, a series of thoughts coming up by uh, Solomon. Proverbs 13, here we go. Verse one, it says, A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. A wise son puts attention to his father's insight and instruction, holds it of value. But one who is judgmental, who scoffers, who, you know, um, does not listen to rebuke. Uh, what happens to him? You'll see. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth. But the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. That was verse 2. 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. The soul of the lazy man desires and has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. A righteous man hates lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. A wicked man is a wicked man likes to stir the pot so shame could be his badge. He loves to create shame. So don't give in to his uh, wickedness. 
by trying to tempt you to be angry. A wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. Righteousness guards him whose way is blameless. See, righteousness will guard us. Once you say you're, you want to be good and, and God gives you that blessing, righteousness will guard you. Righteousness will guard him whose way is blameless. But wickedness overthrows the sinner. You hear that? A wicked man will overthrow a person that's sinner, will stir the pot of a person that hasn't turned their life over to, to their God to be good. But wickedness overthrows the sinner. In other words, uh, the sinner's trying to do good, right? Gets a job, gets this and that, and boom! Down in the ground all over again. Got into a scuffle with somebody. There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing. And one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. Uh, try to put your brain around that one, huh? There is one who makes himself rich. You know, that could be a person that's praying and having good thoughts for others. If you have good thoughts for others, uh, you'll be rich. There's one who makes himself poor, has bad thoughts on others. Oh, I don't understand. I'm wrong. I got the right concept, though. Richness can come through good thoughts for others and still have nothing. Uh, the one who makes himself poor, yet he has great riches through his blessings. The ransom of a man's life is his riches, but the poor does not hear rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. In other words, if if the wicked had a little joy, a little happiness, it will be put out. But the light of the righteous rejoices. It stays on and on and on. You wonder why those guys, people that have decided to be good, always have a smile on their face. They always to be have. They're always cheerful. They're always coming from a party, going to a party, receiving a blessing, being in a blessing, or obtaining a new blessing, or the promise of a blessing. You know, life is working for them. Life is a present. Living now, today, and enjoying this day, it's a present. It's a, it's a, it's a gift from God that opens your eyes. Like, wow, today is aliveness. It's Believable, living in the now. It's a present, folks. You get high on, t on the today. Why? By choosing to be good. By choosing to join the righteous club. You know, I will be good. I choose to be good. Help me to be good. And you got to get up and do it again. Get up and do it again. And keep on fighting till you receive your badge of goodness. It's a fight, folks. The wicked's not going to let you go that easy. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. See, pride wants money. Humbleness wants wisdom. 
And what prideful people don't understand that reading a book, you obtain wisdom, and wisdom, the fruit of wisdom, the long way, the longer way around the corner, is there is money there. There is answers to every problem through the well-advised, the well-read. You ever meet a person that reads? They're a lot of fun. You ever read a person that doesn't read? It's like, hello, dead man walking. Ask me how I know. I've been there. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished. Okay, there's a lot of factors that go in and eat up your dishonest wealth. But he who gathers by labor will increase. Praying for others, wishing well on others, uh, investing in the poor. Uh, he who gathers by labor will increase. It just increases. It just does that, folks. Hope defer makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. That's a wonderful scripture. Um, a lot of us are afraid to hope again because we've been, we haven't chosen the path of, of righteousness. We haven't chosen the path of goodness. We still want to keep a door open to, uh, you know, because we want to be, uh, look good in front of our friends and say, hey, man, I'm bad. I'm bad. Can't you see? You know, use the F-bombs and this and that, trying to look good. And now I'm asking you to go the, the other way and say, I'm asking you to be good, to be good. I'm asking you to make a choice all of your life to be good. Hope defer makes the heart sick. Now we can start hoping, folks. Start hoping, making incredible lists and start hoping. Uh dream boards, you know. But when the desire comes, it is even a tree of life. I mean, it's more rejoicing, more happiness. He who despises the word will be destroyed, but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. Now that we know what's right, we have the power to do right. We have heard the words that are right. What are the words that are right for us? Live and let live. Those, you have heard the word, live and let live. But for the, for the grace of God, we only qualify for God's grace, folks. We know that we, we deserve punishment. But for the grace of God, we know we deserve punishment. Why do you want to tempt God? Now, we fear those words. We don't despise those words. What is the other word? Um, first things first. First things first ought to rock your boat. Keep that in the front of your mind. First things first. Uh, don't drink today. One day at a time. Change everything. Why am I talking? Why? You know, why are you trying to uh, stress a point with a bunch of people? He who despises the word will be destroyed. And good is a word. Do not despise the word by your actions or your words, your other words. But he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. If you fear that to go against the words, good words like live and let live, if you fear those words, if you fear um, live and let live, 
uh, one day at a time. Fear those ones. Don't drink today. Don't drink today. Don't sin today. Don't sin today. If you fear those words that someone's watching you, you will be rewarded. You will be rewarded. The rewards are awesome. Now you get high on rewards. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. The law of the wise is a fountain of life. That's what we're talking about. The law of the wise it gives is a fountain of life. Life has many, many things to it. It has adventure, money, health, resources, enthusiasm, fun, joy, uh, helps, responsibility, helping others. You turn your turn one away from the snares of death. How? Good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. Good understanding gains favor. I like favors. You get you get good understanding, you win favors. My life has already been hard. I don't want to be hard anymore. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly. A fool always goes back to his folly. He can't change. He's stuck on foolishness, stuck on stupid. Every prudent man acts with knowledge. He receives a few words, and he holds on to them no matter what. But a fool throws those words away. They're, they're too hard for him to hold, you know. Like get a job, pay your own rent, be responsible, help others. Those are too hard for a fool. Um... Pick up the trash on the street, no matter if it's not yours. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings help. A faithful ambassador brings help. I hope, I am pray that I get my reward because I'm bringing you help. Healthy ideas. You know, something different from the same old, same old you've been thinking year after year after year. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction. But he who regards rebuke will be honored. See, I'm rebuking you right now. These words are rebuking us, I should say. I am regarding these words. And it's a rebuke. And the reward will be honored, folks. But poverty and shame will come to him who disdains aims correction who avoids correction this is correction correction is corrosive correct correction is hard guys correction is 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 holding on to those words and not and not changing because poverty and shame are following us i don't want any more poverty and shame i had enough of that my own thinking 19 a desire accomplished is sweet to the soul a desired accomplish is sweet to the soul. But it is an abomination to fools to depart from evil. Boy, that's a tough word, huh? It's an abomination for a fool to depart from evil. You see a fool playing in foolishness, and now someday I'm going to get out of foolishness. Someday I'm going to get out of foolishness. Abomination, it sounds like a bunch of devils are holding you down. They're going to fight you to keep you to stay foolish. I'm telling you, it's gonna you're you're diving into the the pit of hell. Then you can say, "Oh, I'll get out. I'll call on God for His mercy. I'll call on Him in the last minute." You know what I'm? Okay, see how that works for you. 
abomination to fool to depart from evil. It's very hard. Again, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. You know, there's nothing but wise people in in 12-step meetings. There's nothing but wise men and women who are wise, who confront and have come out of foolishness and and had the metamorphosis thing. Enough is enough, guys. How do you build a life? Through through wisdom, through counsel, through through contemplation, to to listening to a new way of saying instructions. That's a new way of inserting the the uh, the formula into your heart. A new imagination that produces results. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. To be patient and tough, and someday you'll knock that wall down. So I was one of the foolish persons. You know what happened to my foolishness? It, it got arrested. And little by little, I was able to arrest it with words, with hanging around wise people and listening. I would listen and shut my mouth in the meeting, and my foolishness, I wasn't feeding my foolishness no more. With my imagination, I started seeing wise people conduct themselves with money, with words, and, and, they, and I could tell they used to be foolish. I go, how do they not be foolish no more? So that was my goal in life. And I didn't hang around. Or actually, I say God removed all my foolish friends away from me, all my drinking friends, you know, because drinking is foolishness. R- drinking is stupid. To be acting like that, if you, the action signifies stupidity. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Evil pursues sinners, but the righteous good shall be repaid. Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. And I ask you to be good, and right here it says it will be repaid. All of a sudden we have a way to make income. You're not working. Go out there and be good and you'll be repaid. Help the little old lady take her cans in. Help her change the light bulbs and do things uh, just for free. And see if good shall not be repaid. There's plenty of resources out there, folks, as soon as you decide to be good. But evil pursues sinners with evil thoughts and evil situations and, and more evil. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. You know, I thought that was way too far away from me. I, I had been hit with with uh, financial situations that I, I was thinking years ago that I would never be able to leave anything to my grandchildren, let alone my children. And now I've been thinking about how to live the land for my grandchildren. Raw land. Isn't that incredible? It comes to you, folks. So never disdain or think that something's not possible. Possibility will come to you because all things are possible with a mighty God, with a good God. So I'm hoping to leave my grandchildren inheritances. 
an inheritance to my children's children. Well, the thing is, you know, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to get promoted and go to, to another ground, and I'm just going to leave all my uh, tools behind. And those tools should be formidable resources that have been accumulated through being good, through changing light bulbs, cutting grass, picking up the trash. I get in trouble over here with the neighbors because I put their trash cans away. Oh, someone would really get offended. And some of them uh, expect it. They're, they're little kings and queens, and they expect it for me to be their, their servant. It's kind of funny, man. So now I try to stay away from that. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor, and for lack of justice, there is waste. There you go. Much food is in the ground of, in the fallow ground of the poor. And for lack of justice, there is waste. That went over my head. 24, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. If, he, if I didn't have love in my heart, and sometimes it's really hard to, to drum up that love so you can discipline the, the child rightly, you know, but give him a choice. You know, this action will bring you this. That action will bring you a reward. Which one you want to do? And then when he does the other action, he goes, I told you beforehand what your action was. So you, so you chose bad. So you, you chose the rod. So this is, I told you, here's your rod. So give him a choice. Tell, talk to him like you're talking to a computer. They will learn. The righteous eat the satisfying of his soul. The righteous eat to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and finish. That was the last one. We have plenty being righteous, being good. Let's go ahead and pray. Whose father? Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. We'll be doing the uh, set-aside prayer and then doing some big book reading as is, is our custom to exercise in the gym with the AA words, pick them up, lift them up, and get ourselves fit for the day. Uh, Lord, help me to set aside everything I think I know about myself, my fellow man, these steps for a brand new revelation in you, Lord, in myself and my fellow man, and these steps so we can be a better service. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's do the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to if things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Okay, top of page 24. Please take it away. Uh, the fact that uh, uh, most of all is for reasons to get up and skirt and then lost power.
power of choice to drink our so-called willpower because we have not existed. We are unable to at certain times bring forth, bring into our consciousness a significant force of memory of suffering and humiliation of weaker or multiple ground. We are out with defense against this first spirit. Most of all, are, are certain some consequences follow. Taking even a glass of beer do not crowd the mind to deter us. If these times occur, they are easily and rapidly supplied by the whole therapeutic idea of, well, this time I should handle myself like other people. This time, uh, uh, there's a complete failure against this kind of medicine that keeps one from putting his hands on a hot stove. The alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often have some of us begun to drink in this nonchalant way and after the third or fourth pounded on the bar and said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by, well, I'll stop with the sixth drink or what's the use anyhow? When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has to probably place himself beyond human aid and unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history, but for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop, but cannot. There is a solution, but I would like the self-searching level of our pride, the confessions of our shortcomings, which process requires for a sensible consolation. We saw it, that it really helped the work and others, and we had to come to believe in the hopeless fertility of life uh, that we had been living in. Well, therefore, we were approached by those whom the problem had been solved. There was nothing left for us to do but pick up a simple kit of spiritual tools laying at our feet. We have found much in heaven and been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence which we had not even dreamed yet. The great fact is just this and nothing less not, and that, <clears throat> that we've all had a deep, affected spiritual experience and have revolutionized the whole attitude towards life, towards God, or towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. Such a fact of our life today are the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and into our lives, and which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced and accomplished those things for us, which we could never do for ourselves. By ourselves. If you are seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there's no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into the region from which there's no return through human aid, we had all but two alternatives. One was to go out to the bitter end and blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other was to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. Let's go to page 62, to the bottom of 62, where it says, this is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter, in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. And we are his children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed through freedom. We're on top of 63 now? On top of 63? Yeah. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer, beat all powerful, we provided what we needed, 
keep close to performers work well and establish on such a footing became less and less interested in ourselves and a little pleasant desire more and more became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt a new power flow in and enjoyed peace of mind and we discovered that we could face life successfully, we became more conscious of his presence and, and began to lose our fear of saying tomorrow thereafter we were reborn. Now we're on step three. How many of us said uh, to, our, to our maker, uh, as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee, build with me and do with me as I will. Relieve me of bondage of self and that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties and victor over them and may they bear witness to those who I have helped of thy power, thy love, thy way of life. Uh, may I do your, may I do thy will always. And we thought well before taking this step, making sure we were uh, ready to, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Uh, p- page 76, please. When ready, we say something like this. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect or character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go off from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. Page 86, please. <clears throat> On awakening... Let us think about the 24 hours ahead. <clears throat> we consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is clear of wrong motives. <clears throat> Which course to take? Here's what we ask for God for inspiration, a tune of thought, or a decision. We relax, we take it easy. We don't struggle. We are surprised how right the answers come after we try this for a while. What used to be the hunch of occasional inspiration gradually becomes more to part of the mind. Being still in the inner experience of having just made constant contact with God, we were probably are not closing. We were probably that we will go on being inspired at all times. We might pay for the presumption of all sorts of obscure actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that thing will, as time passes, will be more and more on the plane of inspiration we come to rely upon. It. Amen. When we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we've shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems, we ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. If circumstances warrant, we ask our friends or wives to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attempt to that also. If not members or religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few said prayers which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see what other people are right. Make use of what they offer. As we go through the day, when agitated, doubtful, we ask for the right thought or action, we consider constantly remind ourselves we are no longer ready to show. 
Uh, hopefully, you can say to yourself each time you say, well, I will be done. We are in much, much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self pity, foolish decisions. We become more and more efficient. We do not tire so easily. We are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange our lives to suit ourselves. Amen. Turn page 416, please. acceptance proved to be the key to my drinking problem. After I've been around AA for seven months, tapering off alcohol and pills, not finding the program working very well, I was finally able to say, okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, as strange as it may seem, and even though I didn't give my permission, really, really am an alcoholic of sorts, and it's all right with me. Now, what am I going to do about it? When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away from that moment on. I have not had a compulsion to drink. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I'm disturbed, it's because I find some person, place, thing, or some situation, some fact in my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I cannot stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes. I was also able to see the flaw in every person, every situation, and I was always glad to point it out because I knew he wanted perfection just as I did. AA acceptance has taught me that there's a bit of good and the worst of us, and a bit of bad and the best of us, and that we all are children of God. We each have the right to be here. When I complain about you, or when I complain about me, or complain about you, or the, um, complain about God's handiwork, I'm saying I know better than God. Amen. For years, I was sure the worst thing that could happen to a nice guy like me is that I turned out to be an alcoholic. Today, I find it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I, this proves I don't know what's good for me, and if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good for for you or anyone. I, it's, you know, it's better off. I, I don't give advice. Don't fear. <coughs> I know what's best for you know, and just accept life on life's terms as it is today, especially my own. Uh, as it actually is, before AA, I judged myself by my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. Acceptance has been the answer to my marital problems. It is though AA has given me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have been married now for 35 years prior to our marriage when she was a shy, scrawny adolescent. I was able to see things in her that others couldn't necessarily see. Things like beauty, charm, gaiety, a gift of being easy to talk to, a sense of humor, many other fine qualities. It was if I had, rather than a Midas touch, which turned everything to go. A magnifying mind that magnified whatever I focused on. Over the years, as I thought about Max, her good qualities grew and grew. And we married. And all these qualities became more and more apparent to me 
and we were happier and happier. But then, as I drank more and more, the alcohol seemed to affect my vision. Instead of continuing to see what was good about my wife, I began to see her defects. And the more I focused my mind on her defects, the more they grew and multiplied. Every defect I pointed out to her became greater and greater. Each time I told her she was a, a nothing, she receded a little more into nowhere. The more I drank, the more she wilted. Page 420, please. Perhaps the best thing for me is to remember that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of Max and other people are, the lower is my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise when I discard my expectations, but then my rides try to move in, and they too can force my serenity level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself, how important is it really? How important is it compared to my serenity, my emotional sobriety? And when I place more value on my serenity and sobriety than anything else, I can maintain them at a higher level, at least for the time being. Acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for Him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever's in front of me to be done, and I, ha I leave the results up to Him, however it turns out. That's God's will for me. I must keep my magic magnifying mind on my acceptance and off my expectations, for my serenity is inversely proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I never had it so good. Thank God for AA. Let's jump to uh, page 100, please, both you and the new man. Okay, turn to page 83. Go, hey, hi, hi uh, Sean. How are you? Go, go ahead and mute yourself, Sean, while we finish our read. I'm good. Okay. If we are painstaking... If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. 
Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations we used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Is this, are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Page 85, please. Page 43, please. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. Except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. The end. Hallelujah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys coming in and listening in. Um, Let's let's go ahead and pray the Our Father, and we'll we'll let you guys go to work. Okay. Here we go. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back. It works and we're working it. See you guys. See you, Anthony. See you, Birk. Good morning, family. Thank you for coming to today's podcast, Fernando Alcoholic. Remember, with God, all things are possible. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change those things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Remember the principles of the program. Okay, step one is honesty. Step two is hope. Step three is faith. Step four, courage. Step five, integrity. Step six, willingness. Step seven, humility. Step eight, brotherly love. Step nine, justice. Step ten, perseverance. 
Step 11, spiritual awareness. Step 12, service. And don't forget step 13, mercy. No, I'm joking. The promise is, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. It says, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Amen. And a lot of times it's just showing up, just listening to a podcast, and we're in cahoots, and the miracles and the uh, coincidence in our favor start to happen. Progress, progress, not perfection. Leaning forward onto the things of spirituality, into the things of our higher power. All right, so welcome to this podcast. Let's go ahead and read today's portion of the daily reflection. It says, no regrets. It says, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 83. Once I became sober, I began to see how wasteful my life had been and I experienced overwhelming guilt and feelings of regret. The program's fourth and fifth step assisted me enormously in healing those troubled regrets. I learned that my self-centeredness and dishonesty stem largely from my drinking and that I drank because I was an alcoholic. Now I see how even my most distasteful past experiences can turn to gold because as a sober alcoholic, I can share them to help my fellow alcoholics, particularly newcomers. Sober for several years in AA, I no longer regret the past. I am simply grateful to be conscious of God's love and of the help I can give to others in the fellowship. Amen. I'm Fernando Alcoholic, and I approve of this message. (laughs) I experienced that type of self-centeredness, and I want to thank God for sending me to AA because, you know, the... uh, The danger was getting closer and closer as my drinking progressed. I guess I was on my way to the cemetery. Well, the judge and the attorney gave me a detour and saved my life. I could not stop drinking. And I like what it says here. This is what happened to me. Now I see how even my most distasteful, 
tasteful past experience can turn to gold because as a sober alcoholic, I can share them to help my fellow alcoholics. And that's what I'm doing right now. You know, one of the most, you know, uh, losing a, a work, losing a career, losing a relationship, losing a family, and then building up again, and then bang, another uh, crash and burn. And luckily I didn't lose the job. Thank God for insurance companies to fix you up. But I still had to do my repairs on my Wednesday. Once I got sober, I had to do repairs on my own. And God helped me. God helped me hit, get success as I move forward. All right, now let's go ahead and move a little quicker. We want to thank you so much for coming in today. We're going to have a short, a short one. I have an article here, um, a great by 1985. And here's one from Doc from Portland, Oregon on the 12 Traditions. This is a re- recopy of December 1949 Grapevine. It says, Alcoholics Anonymous tradition admonish us that to preserve harmony and to enhance the survival value of our movement, we should seriously respect the anonymous aspect of the program. In Main Street, America, it is more difficult to remain anonymous, but many small-town groups have found by trial and error that anonymity should be encouraged at all times. All too often in groups, we find members violating this tradition, many, no doubt, because of lack of knowledge as to just how important anonymity is to us and why it should be respected. The common explosion one usually confronts when broaching the subject is, why should I be ashamed of Alcoholics Anonymous? I'm proud of it. I think all of us should let everybody know we belong, etc., etc. Such a person needs to be enlightened. Personal attitudes are important, of course, but are only a minor factor concerning why we should stay nameless. Other vital reasons are anonymity is a potent reminder that we are just one among many, an infinitesimal agent of a great power. It has a very substantial spiritual significance, reminding us to respect the common welfare of the movement ahead of our own. Anonymity stimes self-glorification and ensures that the other fellow the right to preserve his own identity. Who you are in AA is not important. Anonymity protects the movement. If a group wheel horse suddenly reverts to a smashed diet, as sometimes happens, warps his car around a telephone, makes the newsprint or the bucket or both, AA is left unsketched. Anonymity fortifies us against political invasion and alignment with religious or other movements. Former movements have been destroyed by the invasion of political speakers and alignment with various sectarian organizations. By remaining strictly nameless, we bypass these and all controversial issues such as the wet and dry question and other promotional projects. Anonymity ensures us against members forming small groups, associating personal names with the well-known name Alcoholics Anonymous, and obtaining credit, loans, or gifts for clubs, furnishings, 
which dangerous procedure has proved disastrous in some places. Anonymity discourages members from becoming professionals, charging fees for counseling alcoholics and other services, and prevents personal publicity in all printed material, photographs, radios, television, etc. Let us all remember that Alcoholics Anonymous is a spiritual entity only. It has nothing to sell and doesn't want to buy anything. It gives away everything it has more for so doing. Alcoholics Anonymous belongs to all alcoholics who have a sincere desire to use its principles. Certainly, all of us should feel duty-bound to preserve its principle and practice, not only for ourselves, but for the millions of sick alcoholics yet to come. Few of us realize the warmth and the solace of brotherly love until we found this movement. Let us protect our anonymity and fortify ourselves against the possible disaster. Dark from Portland, Oregon. Amen. So that's uh, on the 12th tradition. Huh? Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all the traditions and reminds us to place principles above personalities. Amen. Good overview. It's a spiritual program and it keeps us alive and well. A lot of my friends, we get to go visit them in the hospital and we don't even know their last names. And there's a, there's a, a black guy, a Mexican and uh, another guy, I think an Asian, and we went to go see a, a, a white guy that was on the uh, hospital. And the lady says, uh, well, we only leave that family in. And I told the lady, well, we're all his brothers. And she laughed and she let us in. All right, now, God bless you. Have a great day. Give him heaven. And let us pray out with the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever amen keep coming back family it's working Greetings, family, for Al-Anon. God bless you, Fernando. I'm, I'm a grateful member of the Al-Anon movement. Reading for today, one day at a time, in Al-Anon, January 14, Courage to Change, is the book. I learned in Al-Anon that I'm bound to fail to make someone else stop drinking because I am powerless over alcoholism. Others in the fellowship had failed as well, yet they seem almost happy to admit it. In time, I understood by letting go of this battle, we were sure to lose. We became free. Gradually, I learned that nothing I did or did not do would convince my loved one to get sober. Understood intellectually, but it took time before I believed it in my heart. Frequent Elanon meetings, phone calls, and reading Elanon literature were indispensable to this learning process. Later, when my loved one chose sobriety, I found new ways to apply this principle of powerlessness, although I was tempted to check up on the number of meetings attended to protect the alcoholic from anything upsetting. I had accepted that nothing I could do would make or break another person's sobriety. After a while, I saw that my fears had little to do with the alcoholic. Instead, they indicated that I needed to work 
my program. Today's reminder, when I am able to admit that I am powerless over alcohol, my life becomes more manageable. Today, I will take the path to personal freedom and serenity that begins when I surrender. Our spiritual growth is unlimited and our reward endless if we try to bring this program into every phase of our lives. 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. Amen. What a wonderful reading. Just about anything else we do in this world, we let go and get out of the way and let God, and remarkable things are happen. I was sitting in the grass today and I said, is this the best, not in the grass, putting my feet in the grass on a chair and reading, telling myself, is this the best? And I seem to be rejuvenated. Um, I noticed that I'm reading a little faster and being more interesting for, for my listeners. If I up a few decibels my speed. Our next book is Hope for Today. Woohoo! January the 14th. One of the most valuable skills I learned in Elon is to discern acceptable behavior and to set limits with others. Setting boundaries helps me to take care of myself in relationship and keep me from being a victim. Responses to boundaries help me evaluate the quality of my relationships. Nevertheless, I still feel some trepidation when I set limits. I fear that the other person may become angry and end the relationship. I experience different forms of abandonment during my alcoholic upbringing. It is not a feeling of relish experiencing. Sometimes dread prevents me from setting limits. Other times I state my boundaries in overly rigid terms, hoping I'll never have to deal with the problem again. Success comes when I set my limits one day at a time. For example, my spouse watches television late at night and often unintentionally wakes me up when he comes to bed. Depending on how my day went, sometimes this bothers me and sometimes it doesn't. I no longer set a global black and white boundary with my spouse. Instead of saying, from now on, when you watch television after 11, I'm going to sleep in the guest room. I ask him, are you going to watch any more of that show? If he responds affirmatively, I tell him I'm going to sleep in the guest room and bid him a pleasant evening. In this way, I care for myself and I don't set up for, for resentment. I leave options for both of us, which makes our relationship run more smoothly. Now for the day. Boundaries don't help me when they're too loose or too rigid. If I set them flexibly, one instant at a time, they can help improve my relationship. Alanon taught me that the difference between walls and boundaries from Courage to Change, page 201. Huh. Very good, huh? All right. Our last book here is One Day at a Time, which is the, the first kid on the block, huh? The one that started all this. January 14th. If someone dislikes me or resents something I have done, I ought first to consider whether it was I who generated the dislike or resentment. Was it something I did? Is it something I should make amends for? If so, am I inclined to justify what I did when I really wasn't right? Answering these questions will give me a good practice in being honest with myself. If I was hurtful and I make excuses to myself for what I did, I'm building a second wall between me and the person I injured. Let my tears the first wall down. Let me tear 
the first wall down by being honest and honestly acknowledging my fault. Today's reminder. What a relief it is to acknowledge that I'm only human, that I do make mistakes, and that I am willing to correct them. I can help liking myself better after the air has been cleared. In solidifying a friendship, I better become a better friend to myself. God helped me to avoid the temptation to deceive myself by studying my actions when they were wrong. Make me strong enough to do what I should do. Keep me serene. What a relief it is to acknowledge that I'm only human, that I do make mistakes, and that I am willing to correct them. I can't help liking myself better after the air has been cleared and solidifying a friendship. I become a better friend to myself. <laughs> very good, very good stuff. All right, all right. I'm looking around for something else. I have um, the Elanon book called Elanon Faces Alcoholism. And let me pick a story here. Hang in there, hang in there, hang in there. Oh, it's all alcoholism, sex, and communication. My story is not essentially different from that of any other man except in one respect. My wife and I were older than most of the time our confrontations with alcoholism began. My wife and I were older than most at that time our confrontation with alcoholism began. This was a second marriage for both of us. Shortly after the onset of alcoholism, my spouse became rather violent and abusive at social gatherings outside the home. And at the same time, we began to lose our ability to communicate with one another. While drinking, my wife became withdrawn, passive, and quite uninterested in any normal relationship. From my side came anger, a sense of guilt, and inability to sleep at night, to work normally, or to have any kind of touching, feeling relationship. This had more to do with my lack of desire than anything else. I took out much of my frustration on my children. This produced an enormous amount of guilt within me. I felt that I was deserting them and they were doing the same to me. Physically, emotionally, and mentally, there was an unrending succession of drunken brawls. This, together with the fear of losing our future as a family or any kind of normal life, took away any real desire for a close relationship with my wife. There was no way I could say that I was managing in any sense to maintain a loving closeness with the beautiful woman I had married. She was two different people and I was quite unable to cope. As I look back on it, it was the continual pressure of the love-hate syndrome that was at the root of our physical withdrawal from one another. I could not stop. I truly loved one moment and hated the next. And there seemed no way out. I am sure this resulted in the psychosomatic symptom. I developed. Some of them seemed carefully aimed at making it impossible for me to have a normal relationship with my spouse. In sobriety, 
the guilt remained and our sex life became stiff and even more unsatisfying. I was as demanding as she seemed indifferent. These sexual conflicts, among many other problems, resulted in a mutual withdrawal from the sexual relationship and in two years led to divorce. As I look back, I see now that my failure to develop my own sexual identity has brought me much grief. Only reason have I discovered that my actual sexual needs are substantially below my level of desire, an insight gained from a lengthy period of abstinence. The sexual part of my life is one of great importance, but also an area of extreme vulnerability for me, particularly because of my fears of rejection. For me, the key to a secure sexual identity is the strengthening of my self-worth through diligent practice of the Al-Anon program. As I work to fully assume the responsibility for myself, I believe the self-acceptance that I achieve will also promote healthy, fulfilling sexual attitudes in my life. Whew, boy, there's a lot of trouble here in this earth. And uh, I pray that we find fast solutions, you know. Sometimes just thanking God for the problem, the problem tends to ease and go away and we start to believe. Uh, not believing is a big problem of trying to stay to believe, staying believing. Anyway, God bless you. Let's go ahead and finish this session with the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. God bless you. Have a, give them heaven. Have a great day.